Well, good morning, Trinity Park Church. It is my joy to add my welcome to you. Uh, my name is Angus, as it was said. I am the new youth director here, um, and I have now been in America for two weeks, and so have begun to enjoy the joys of all that this state has to offer. Um, but in my time over Christmas, I took some time to reflect. As I looked forward for my year ahead and all that I've got looking ahead of me, and I looked back at my travels and my journeys to get here, I begin to wonder, and I begin to think, and, and I wonder if, if you, as you've been preparing your resolutions, have been thinking something similar. Shouldn't life be easier, especially as a Christian? Shouldn't life feel a bit less average, a bit less weak? Shouldn't I feel a little less overwhelmed? Shouldn't there be something a bit more impressive about me and what I have achieved? Am I just doing something wrong? Or at least the church. Shouldn't the church look more impressive? Shouldn't I have more impressive people than us? Most of us are just normal. No one has all the gifts, and we need one another. And as we look out at the world, as we look out at this city of Cary, and even as we heard Mark pray, this world is full of needs. There's wars, there's trouble, there's neighbors who need to hear the good news of Jesus. How are we ever meant to reach this city, never mind the world? And this feeling, it isn't something new. See, the Christians in the church in Corinth were asking the very same questions as they looked at their world and the people around them. And because of these challenges, because of the weakness that they felt, and so, because of the weakness they saw in Paul, some of them began to question Paul. And Paul founded this church, and he wrote this letter that we read. And these doubts that they had, these feelings of weakness were made worse because some new teachers had arrived. New teachers who had arrived who, who looked impressive, who spoke powerfully, who had lives you wanted yourself. See, they told you that the Christian life was about blessing and prosperity now. They told you that if, if, if things weren't going right, then, then you must have been doing it wrong. But Paul... Paul has much to say to these men. Paul has much to say to us if we get tempted by the same thoughts. For people who are going through suffering, for people who are going through anxiety and fear and doubt. And if, and if you've read through the earlier part of this letter, Paul spoke instead of his own power, but of his own weakness. He spoke of his trials, of being locked up in prison, of being beaten of a life full of hardship, all because he chose to share the good news of Jesus. And Paul is telling them and he's telling us what is really powerful, what really works, what really is faithful ministry is not someone proclaiming themselves, but by anyone openly speaking the words of Jesus. He says that message has power. 
that message has life. We're going to be focusing our time on verses 7 to 18. So if you have a Bible, it will help if you have it and keep it open. And I'll be looking at under three points, which are on the wee sheet that you got given as you walked in. And the points that I'll be looking at under is first, power in weakness. Second, life in death. And third, hope while we wait. So that's power and weakness, life and death, and hope while we wait. And beginning our first point, we see that Paul tells Christians everywhere that they are part of something incredible, something wonderful and something powerful. Because he says that this powerful, life-giving message of Jesus has been given to Christians. It's been given to each and every Christian in verse 7. And he calls it a great treasure. But Paul goes on to use a picture, while it might not feel that way right now. And have a look with me at verse 7. He says, this treasure, this light of the good news of Jesus, resides in jars made of clay. And And in the time before electricity, candles were used. Candles were put in jars of clay filled with oil as a means for people to light their way. And it was the most common of commodities. You used it and you broke it, and that was it. And it was in every one of his hearers' homes. You would use it and throw it away, but it serves a vital purpose. And if if you want something equivalent that we use today, fortunately they give them out as you come in, I'd give you this humble coffee cup. Because you very rarely think about it unless it looks as pretty as this. It's what's inside that you're really after. It's, it's that caffeine that gets you through a Monday morning at work or a Wednesday that you're going to enter pretty hard. It might also help you get through a Sunday morning service, and it's why they're so kind to give it out of the door here. But you, you don't think about it. You use it, and you throw it away, or you recycle it. But it's what's inside that matters. It's what you pay four or sometimes even six dollars for here in Caddy. But it's this picture of a disposable clay pot that lights the way that Paul uses. And it's made even clearer because Paul has just said in verse 6 of our passage, Christians are those who the Creator God, who brought light into a dark and empty universe, has put light inside of a Christian. See, this light that God has put inside everyday Christians is the glory of the good news of Jesus that lights the way. And this light of good news has been put inside a weak, frail vessel, the human flesh of a Christian. And just like the human Adam was formed out of the dust, and to dust he will return, So we are weak and frail and will one day return to the dust. God, Paul says, but God has put something inside of you that is exceptional. This powerful message of good news. See, God chose to put it inside of a human, a weak, frail human, rather than something ornate. And he tells us why God does it. He tells us why he chooses to use 
weakness. Look with me again at verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. See, this image is to contrast Paul and our weakness with the mighty power of God. See, the weakness of the vessel doesn't take away from what's inside. Actually, it highlights it. But Paul wants to go further and to to emphasize what, what it feels like to be this clay pot, what it feels like to be a Christian. And he says this in verse 8. He he says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. And Paul's point is that Christians are not exempt from life's trials, from its difficulties, but rather experience them all the more because they have shared the good news of Jesus. But more than that, they they experience something as they feel that weakness. They experience the sustaining power of God. So that even while Paul was allowed to feel the pressure and the weight and the persecution of the world around him, he was never once let go by God. See, why he's often perplexed, unsure of which way to turn, yet because of God's power at work in his life, he never succumbs to despair. Why he's often persecuted for speaking about Jesus, he's never once abandoned by God. And Paul says that if he can survive, if he can survive while going through all this, as such a brittle vessel as himself, the power does not belong to him, but to God. And Paul would say this is the only explanation of why he survived. See, his trials have caused some cracks, but there's a divine glue that is holding him together. And he uses this picture of a clay pot to, to show that God does and chooses to use anyone. And he does so mightily, however seemingly weak and frail they might feel. And from outside, people might doubt that there's anything special, anything powerful about you. But God chooses to use you for His glory. And He does it to show that it's not powerful people that make the difference. But it's the powerful message of God. And I would use an example. If, if you went down to the Bahamas and a big treasure chest was taken up that had been on a pirate ship, and this treasure chest was battered and broken, and you could see a couple of gold coins falling out as they brought it up, you wouldn't turn it down and say, no, 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 I I don't want this. That doesn't look very nice. No, you'd say, yes, please. But see, this is how the people in Corinth were looking at Paul. They, They saw that he was a bit tattered, that he was a bit worn out, and wasn't that impressive. And they were going, actually, Paul, I don't want your message because you don't look impressive. But what about you? Do do you see this treasure in surprising places? As you look out as the people around you, you may see weak, ordinary, everyday Christians who the next bump and trial of life might crumble, but, but do you see that within them is something incredible? Which leads me on to my second point, life 
in death. See, going through the challenges of life, going through the difficulties that it brings, can cause some of us to lose heart as we attempt to tell other people about Jesus. But Paul wants you to take courage in verses 10, 11, and 12 that there is much that is going to be done in and through you as a clay pot. Now, the look with me at verse 11 where he says, we who live, that's those who've believed in this message of Jesus, these jars of clay are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. And this word manifest is just made known. The life of Jesus has been made known through us, through our feral bodies. And this life of Jesus is made known through us as we feel this weakness. And how is it done so? How is this life of Jesus made known to others? Well, we're told two ways. And the first is that as people look at us and they look at our weakness or they pray with us, they will sometimes see Jesus delivering us from what we are facing. We cry out to God and He answers our prayers and somehow we make it through. That difficulty or the sickness or the things that we are going through are overcome. And all we can say is, thank you, Jesus. But other times, it's the, the comfort that we, we experience as that difficulty is not taken away, as the trial is, has to be endured. And it feels exhausting. It feels like death. But even there, the life of Jesus is made known. And we can say, as, as verse 16 says, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self has been renewed day by day. That God is at work within us. And, and verse 16 doesn't say all will be well outwardly, but that God will be at work as we depend on Him. And God will keep us, God will sustain us, so that we will not lose heart. And I think one of the most discouraging things I find in the Christian life is when I look at myself, when I look back at my year, and I, and I look at how inadequate I feel. And one of the most encouraging things I've found is, is I got to train with a church that you support in Haddington. As I got to spend time with the Christians who are there, and I got to see how God is at work in each and every one of their lives. Through the many hard experiences that they go through, through the struggles of being parents, of being teenagers, of being children, of being grandparents, as they care for loved ones, as they try and make it through another work week. And my heart breaks for many of them at what they have to endure. But my heart rejoiced at the work of God in their lives, and, and most of them never really saw it. They didn't see it in themselves. But as I spoke to other Christians in the church, they would tell me of how they radiated the life of Jesus, how they encouraged others to keep going. And, and I know that's true of Corey and Andy and many of the others who lead here and the elders, that as they get to be a part of your lives, as they get to see God at work in your life, 
that they get to be encouraged by what God is doing for you. But but the other way that, that this life of Jesus is manifested or made known in our lives, is is as Paul used it earlier in in verse 2, as an open statement of truth. And and if you look at Paul's life, you can't separate his suffering for Jesus from his speaking about Jesus. And And he says in verse 13, since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we speak. And Paul there is is quoting from a psalm. He's quoting from a song in the Bible from Psalm 116. And the psalmist there, if you were to look it up, talks about all the distress of life that has come upon him, all the worries and the weights of the world and people coming against him. And he cries out, Lord, save. That's his prayer, Lord, save. And he experienced the salvation of God. And so he sings in response. He sings about the God who meets him in his weakness. And Paul here says that he has that same spirit as that psalmist. So that despite his difficulties and his struggles, as he cries out to God, save, so he speaks about that God. He has that same spirit living within him that causes him to speak. See, it's God's care in the midst of your trials that both enables and is the content of what we speak. And, and if you read through your Bible, if, if you go through and study, what you see as the theme of God's people is them constantly being in need, constantly struggling, constantly getting things wrong, constantly saying, God, help us, and God constantly coming to them in their need. And that causes them to sing, and that causes them to speak. Because when you personally come to see a God who cares for you, when you come come and experience the sustaining power of God, how can we not but speak? It's rarely powerful. It's, it's rarely impressive. And, and, and it's often done in everyday situations. It, it happens at work, in school, over coffee, over food. As you meet with people, as, you, as they see what you go through and ask you, how do you do it? You say, well, God has kept me and still keeps me. And God is there with me as I go through them. And as you have neighbors round, and as you meet with people, and as you open a Bible with a friend, and you speak a few words here and there, or maybe it was with your family over Christmas and you try to share with them, it doesn't feel like much. It doesn't feel powerful. Just like our Sunday service last week. It's lovely. But it saved someone. The words had power. And and for us, it's it's us having a whole book of reasons why we have hope in the midst of this world. And and as we look out in this world and as we look out on our mission field of where you're going back to into your schools or your jobs or your families, 
It's important that we learn this lesson that Paul has for us, that that faithful Christian ministry often feels like an uphill battle. It doesn't often appear successful. It can feel, like Paul says, like death. But we hold on to, as verse 12 says, so then death is at work in us, but life in you. We we pray for moments of power. We pray that God would send His Spirit, that He would bring people in, and many would cry out and be saved. We say, as the psalmist said, O Lord, won't You revive us again, that people might praise You. But but that powerful move of God, it's that revival, it's something that is extraordinary. The way that God ordinary works, the way that the Holy Spirit brings power is through fragile, ordinary people who daily seek God for their needs, who feel they are not sufficient for the task ahead of them, and yet cry out to God for His help. Ordinary people doing ordinary things day after day. And just when you're thinking, Angus, th- there must be another way. Okay, this, this, this isn't how we plan to enter a new year. This, this isn't sounding impressive. Well, consider with me for, for one moment. Consider, consider the power of Jesus. See, he is this picture of infinite treasure, of infinite worth and power and majesty. And as we just looked at last week, and as we just experienced over the Christmas season, came to this world as a baby. The God of the universe humbled Himself and taking on our flesh. The God of the universe who experienced our suffering and our tiredness and our weakness and grew up as a child had to learn things, had to listen to his parents, and yet he is the God of the universe. And he looked so weak, he looked so ordinary in his life that people rejected him because he didn't look like the impressive, powerful leader that they wanted. See, they wanted power to bring them power, and so he was beaten. He was mocked. He was rejected and despised by his own people rather than be celebrated and welcomed. See, Jesus was crucified in weakness. His human flesh was crushed. And he he died with many people thinking he was a failure. But that was until Sunday morning came. That was until Jesus burst forth from the grave. He walked out of the tomb because death could not hold him. The grave couldn't hold him. The devil could not contain him. See, Jesus walked forth in power. And his life, his resurrection power that Paul speaks about has been proclaimed everywhere. See, that message of weakness of the God who came as a baby and died on a cross is the message of hope that has been gone to the ends of the earth. The people went out in weakness, but Jesus' strength is made perfect in that weakness. See, we are to take courage if we feel that weakness 
because God is at work in us. And it is especially when we feel at our lowest and our weakest that we experience the sustaining power of God. And I want to ask us, have we, have we embraced that way of weakness as a way of life so that people would see God and not us? Which takes us to our last and final point, hope while we wait. See, Paul wants us to know that Christians have great hope to share, have good news to share, but we also have good hope to look forward to. See, like Jesus, this this life of weakness is not the end of the story. See, suffering and struggle will come to an end, and the grave will not hold us either if we trust in Jesus. See, and it's this future resurrection that Paul constantly goes back to. If you read anything he writes, he constantly goes back to the fact that the grave is not the end. Even in the midst of his struggles, he says there is more to come. And he says in verse 14 that the same power that was work within Jesus, that burst him forth from the grave, that raised him from the dead, that is at work within you and will raise you too if you're a Christian. See, we don't need to lose heart in our weakness now because of all that awaits us. Sickness, death, weakness, none of those things will separate you from Jesus. None of those things will keep you from Him. And it won't keep you from the God who experienced that same suffering, who experienced that same trials, who came into this world to save us from them. And, and in verse 17, Paul says something quite astonishing. He, he calls the trials of this life momentary afflictions, which are preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And see, Paul calls them momentary and light, not because they're easy, not to make light of it. Paul's life was full of suffering. He's not minimizing our suffering, but he's emphasizing the scale of the reward to come. He says, our suffering's light because of the glory that will come. He says it's going to be worth it, but what's hard is we can't see it yet. And he says this in verse 18, what, what we can see and feel right now is what feels like it will last but it's only temporary. What feels weak now will pass, but what will come will last. So we must constantly, as verse 18 says, fix our eyes, not on what is seen, that is the weakness that is around us, but what is unseen, the power within and the hope to come. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And and so all this is is that even if our life feels like clay pot ministry, a fragile, cracked, weak life lived for Jesus, even if we feel like we have achieved very little for Him, Jesus will say to you and millions of other faithful Christians, well done, my good and faithful servant. And, And Paul says, that it's all for God's glory in verse 15. 
and all for the sake of others. See, all this suffering, all this life and the trials that he goes through is so that God would get the glory and people would get this good news. God gets the glory, not us. People receive new life even as we suffer. And, and if you're not a Christian, if you're here for the first time, or if you're just listening in on Christian things, you might be thinking, why would anyone want to be a Christian? This new youth director has just spent the last 15 minutes speaking about how hard life is. It doesn't sound something impressive. It doesn't sound something that you might want. But, but I would want you to consider, as you look out on your new year ahead, as you look out on your, the life and the world around you, do you not see that, that everyone struggles? Everyone experiences the weakness and the trials of this life. The world will tell you just to pretend it's not happening, to work harder, to have a step up for a lip, and just pretend everything is okay. And many of you have seen that with people over Christmas. Come up with a new, 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 new year resolution, which this year will be different. This year you're going to make those goals and you might make it to the gym past January the 4th. But, but that's what the world tells you, that, that life, it shouldn't be weak. Fight to make it to the top and keep yourself there as long as you can. And just don't worry about the bit that comes after when you can't keep at the top. But, but look at the rich and the famous of this world. Look, look at the people who appear to have everything, the powerful ones, and see the mess in their life. See the trials that they go through. And they're actually often far more scared than us, far more worried, and far weaker. They're just very good at covering it. Because weakness is part of the human condition for everyone. As they say, the one constant is death and taxes. You can't escape them. Christianity is just honest about the fact of life being hard. It's, it's why our world is full of self-help books, why we come to resolutions, and it's why we all feel something wrong about this answer of just work harder. We've tried it. It, do, it doesn't work. All we want to say is help, but we feel we can't. And, and the other part of it is we're made for a relationship with God. We're made to live with Him, and our hearts long for that. But we choose to live without Him. And it's this rebellion, this choose, choosing to ignore God, to live our own way that brought weakness and pain into the world to begin with. And it's what brings pain to our lives now as we look back on our lives. But Christianity doesn't end there. Christianity doesn't just end there with hopelessness. It has good news for you and for me and everyone. See, life does have a purpose. Life does have a meaning. Life may feel weak, but there's a God who understands there's a God who knows, and there's a God who comes to you. See, Jesus didn't stand far off. If you read through the life of Jesus, you see that he went 
to the people who were at their lowest, the people who were at their weakest, and he met them right there. And if you are new to church, I'd encourage you to to get to know the person who brought you or, or come get to know the people here and see that there is nothing exceptional or otherworldly about the people here. As I heard one preacher say, we are just all beggars looking for bread. And we are here to tell other people that come find this bread here. See, this treasure of good news is not for people who seek that they can earn it. It's something given to us freely by God. And this is a message that that America needs to hear. Because the so-called strong and powerful have, have no need for God. They think they can do it themselves. This message of weakness is so important because Jesus' offer is only for those who admit they need help. Only those who cry out, Lord, save. There's no one too far. There's no one not good enough. Only those who will cry out for help. Jesus' message was saying, come everyone who is weary and heavy laden. Come to me and find rest. For us all, there's a temptation that we find. And I think it's something that we need to look to this year. That we can base the value of God's love for us on how easy and comfortable our lives are. If we get that thing we've been longing for, or if this year is different, then we will know that God is for us. We put a lot of effort into what we have. And I think it's especially true of our area in Carrie. What zip code we end up in, what college our kids get into, what job we find. But Paul wants us to see that the treasure that we have is not to be found in this world. Paul's bank account is very different. Money comes and it goes with with age. Earthly power vanishes. But it's this world that is momentary, not us. He wants us to fix our eyes on what is above so that we can use our lives now for His service, so that we can use what we have, we can endure what we are going through because it will be worth it. Soon we will receive an eternal body. Soon God will wipe away every one of your tears. He will heal all your sicknesses. He will restore your bodies and your relationships. Soon we will see that it's been worth it. And what this city needs to see, what your colleagues need to see at work, what your people in your school with you need to see, is not perfect people. It's not people who have no worries, people who are living their best life. But see, a people just like them, who experience the difficulties of this life, who know the pain and loss that this world brings, but yet have something that is different, Something that sustains them and something that will keep them going. 
an answer of hope. A people who comfort out of being comforted, who out of their weakness have a hope to offer, who know a God who hears people's cries. Because that's what Jesus does. Jesus doesn't stand far off. He lived among people, and he spoke word of comfort and life. He hung on a cross. He hung in death and suffering so that he might offer to us life eternal. This hope of Jesus is not for perfect people. It's for anyone who will say, I need Jesus. It's for weak people who let go of their pride and cry out, Lord, help me. So let's turn and do that now, if you will, with me. Lord, we come to you because we are in need. We come to you because you are the God who comes to us. Lord, while we are far off, while we are wandering, while we are doing our own life and making a mess of things, you come and you reach out to us. Lord, we pray for everyone here who is going through the trials and the sufferings that life brings, that they might know your comfort, that they might know your peace. Lord, that you would sustain them and you would draw them to yourself, that your church would come around them and that we would be a place where it is okay to suffer, but it's a place where that hope and life is offered. Lord, we pray that as we look out in this new year that we would be a people who depend on you, who see your power at work in our weakness, who know your strength and see many come to a saving knowledge of you. Lord, we ask that you would go with us, help us and protect us, and guide us this new year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.